Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Genesis chapter 37. As I mentioned at the close of our last chapter, chapter 37 begins a new unit, the last unit in the book of Genesis. Chapters 37 to 50 tell the story of Joseph and the sojourn into Egypt. Hear now the word of the Lord beginning at verse 1. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, we continue to pile up arguments against polygamy in this story, as we see the rivalry between the wives of Jacob passing on and becoming the rivalry of their children. Joseph was the son of the favorite wife, Rachel. And Israel loved him more than any of his other sons. Okay, that is bad parenting. Now, Jacob came by it honestly. His mother, Rebekah, loved him more than his brother Esau. And his father, Isaac, loved Esau more than him. So, This particular flavor of stupid has a long history in this family. And here we see it ripening into an act of terrible violence and betrayal. Moms and dads, note this well. If you treat your kids differently, you will set them up for conflict with their siblings and sorrow in the world. Don't do it. Verse 5 goes on to say, Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaths in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaths gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, it should be noted that Joseph's dreams were accurate. They were clearly from the Lord. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to decode this dream. Joseph would become a ruler and a deliverer of his brethren. The symbol of the sheaves is a symbol of the fact that he will feed them and provide for them in his role as deliverer. So the dream is accurate. But it was probably unwise of Joseph to share the dream with his brothers. Contrast the attitude of Joseph to the attitude of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Paul was so careful with his special revelations that he didn't even want to talk about them. When he felt forced to talk about them, he spoke in the third person. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. 
whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now, we know that Paul is talking about himself because that he says that a thorn in the flesh was given to him to keep him from being conceited on account of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Joseph would have been well served by such a thorn in his flesh because he did become conceited. And unlike Paul, he did speak about the things he had seen, and he probably should not have. Verse 9 says, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. So Jacob had a sense that there was more to these dreams than just the grandiose ambitions of a spoiled child. There was something of God in these dreams. And so he kept the matter in mind. Verse 12. Now, his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Reuben is such an interesting character in this story. He, he's already ruined his life, you might say, and thrown away his birthright by protecting his mother and defiling his stepmother, Bilhah. He's obviously a very complicated man. He's a, he's a conflicted man. He's fiercely protective, but utterly unscrupulous. And, and it is just so interesting to watch how God works in his life over the course of the story. Do yourself a favor and remember all of the names of the brothers as they are mentioned in the story. Remember what they do at the beginning and then see who they are at the end. God is working in the hearts of these men. Thanks be to God. Verse 25 says, Then they sat down to eat, and looking up they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites, coming from Gilead. 
with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now, it is so easy to get caught up in the movement of the story and the human drama of the story and to think that the Israelites ended up in in Egypt because of how certain brothers treated another brother, right? They sold Joseph into slavery and they took him down to Egypt. It is human nature to focus more on immediate causes than ultimate causes. But behind these human causes, behind the sibling rivalry and the angry jealousy, there is a divine cause. Think all the way back to Genesis 15. Way back in Genesis 15, in the time of Abraham, Joseph's great-grandfather, God said this, Genesis 15, 13 to 14, Know for certain that your offspring, speaking to Abraham, will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So God told Abraham way back in chapter 15 that this would happen. He didn't tell him how, but he told him for certain that this would happen. So history may look whimsical at times. It may look dependent upon human actions for good or for ill. But ultimately, all of history, personal and global, is governed by the word and will of God. Yes, Joseph is in Egypt because he was an arrogant little jerk. Yes, Joseph is in Egypt because his brothers are jealous, insecure, violent brutes. Yes, Joseph is in Egypt because Jacob is a bad dad and permitted and encouraged unhealthy rivalries in his family. Yes, yes, yes. But ultimately, Joseph is in Egypt because God is working a plan. It is a plan to do good and not to do evil. It is a a plan to save and not to kill. God is sovereign enough to do that. He is sovereign enough and all-knowing enough to use even our evil actions to bring about his saving good. Thanks be to God. Verse 29 says, When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat. By the way, isn't it ironic that Jacob is deceived by a goat. They took Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat, they dipped the robe in the blood, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. By the way, notice too, your son's robe, not our brother's robe. Reminds you of the prodigal son story. Verse 33, and he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. 
Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his garments, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. I love what Matthew Henry says here. Joseph dreamed of his preferment, but he did not dream of his imprisonment. Thus many young people, when they're setting out in the world, think of nothing but prosperity and pleasure and never dream of trouble. Joseph wasn't wrong, but he was short on some of the details. He would rise to prominence. He would be used of God to feed and deliver his family, but only after he passed through prison, slavery, hardship, injustice, delay, and deprivation. God knows how to preserve his people, and he knows how to prepare his people for challenges and responsibilities they could never begin to dream of or imagine. And no story illustrates that better than the story of Joseph in the land of Egypt. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. Before.